My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I am the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me today is a different kind of guest. I'm very excited to introduce Barry Freeman. Hello, Barry. Hi, Pilar. Thanks for having me on today. The reason Barry is a different kind of guest is he is not, well as far as making his living, is not a writer or a producer yet. But what he is, is a film consultant who advises filmmakers, mainly producers, about ratings, all ratings from G to NC-17 and the issues that come up. Um, He served on the ratings board at the MPAA for 10 years and rated thousands of films. And in addition, he has advised on theatrical films and educated filmmakers, film students, and film goers about the rating systems process and all things ratings. Um, So this is the guy to talk to when you're going, I don't know, is it a PG-13? Is it an R? What can I say? What can't I say? What action, violence, sex? Ah! So we've got Barry to answer all of those questions. I look forward to a Pilar. Uh, It's a very different kind of business, and I spend a lot of my day uh, throwing F-bombs around, but in a professional manner. (laughs) Yeah, tell me a little bit about what you do as as a consultant these days, who your clients are and and what you do for them. Oh, I'd be happy to. Maybe I'll just step back uh, a a few years here and say that I started with the MPAA in 2002, and it was strictly because I was going to graduate school at nights and I wanted a less stressful job during the day. So I ended up spending my three to five year term. I spent 10 and a half years on the board. And while I was on the board, I could see that the filmmakers didn't really have an advocate for them uh, when they're going through the ratings process. The MPAA is fantastic at what they do, but they're serving as a resource for parents on the appropriateness of a film for their children. So uh, when I left and I finished up my term at the MPAA, I cold call producers and I just said, I have this unique skill. Uh, Not that I'm brilliant or anything like that, but I have something that others don't have. And I think I can be a real help to save filmmakers time, money, uh, aggravation, and even in some cases, film content. So here I am today uh, helping out producers on theatrical film releases uh, for the ratings. Now, I would imagine, you know, this, this all goes back to the script, right? So if, if things were okay with the script, then the producers wouldn't be running into trouble now. Absolutely. And it's funny because I've only really been in the upfront of the process part for the last year and a half because when I first started in the business, I would have, you know, I'd, I'd canvas for filmmakers and they'd come to me with a finished film that had... 40 F-bombs, and they needed a PG-13 to sell it through a sales agent because they could make three or four times more money as a PG-13. So I saw that the sweet spot, really, with the majority of my business is 
to help the filmmakers reach a PG-13 while being able to put as much content in that film as they, you know, as they envision. You know, I'm going to age myself here, but I do that on every show. Um, so I remember when there wasn't a PG-13. It yes. was it was G, PG, and R. Very good. And I remember, so, well, first of all, my parents didn't care. I wish they did. I saw it was way right. too many R-rated films. But I also remember that, like, things that were PG, you know, they... What, why, why was PG-13 created? It, it, well, was, it was odd. I think anybody that sees the, the first airplane film and sees the female jumping up and, you know, there's a lot more nudity back in that PG than there is in PG-13 now. So <laughs> there's a lot of product that was either too strong for PG or not strong enough for R. And uh, there's a there's a director that most of us know named Steven Spielberg, and one of his ah, films of is it. responsible. That's right. Which one? Uh, you know what? I can't remember which one it is, but he's the guy that really was behind the edition of the PG-13. Oh, was it be, do you think it was maybe because they wanted to make it an R, and so he was like, uh-uh, no, yeah. no, no, I need my, I need my family audience. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Steven had his own... Uh, interest at heart during that one. Interesting. Gotta, gotta dick into that one. Um, okay, so what are the rating elements? Like, what do you look for when you're, when you're looking at a project? Sure. And that's something that a lot of people uh, might not understand. There are basically six different rating elements. They are violence, sexual content, which includes nudity, language, smoking, which is new. It's only been about, I think, 12 years that smoking's an element. Huh. I didn't know that. That's right. A drug use and then thematic elements, which is something that most parents have no idea what that actually means. Yeah. I got a question. Do you? I'm, well, you know, we talk about theme all the time on this show, you know, in terms of sort of messages that are bubbling up. But I'm wondering how you look at thematic elements. What, how, do you, how are you defining it as far as the rating system goes? Sure. I know that on the MPAA site, they have a real... Um, real clinical definition of theme, but it's pretty much, for ratings purposes, it's pretty much anything that's rateable that doesn't fall in the other five categories. So if you have a teenage scene where somebody's being bullied, but it's not really violence, if it's bullying or talk of abortion, uh, anything that doesn't fit in those other categories but is rateable, that's pretty much what theme is. Oh, I've, you know, there are movies I see and I go, why was that an R? You know, because uh, it, it, I, I would think, you know, there weren't F-bombs, there wasn't nudity, you know, why was it? And ah, so the, the thematic elements definitely explains it. Are you just talking about controversial topics or are we just talking about thematic elements that might lend themselves more to violence and sex? Sure. And it's funny because, uh, Pilar, you, you just kind of segued into something that, uh, about theme that I just want to bring up. And that is, believe it or not, theme can only be PG or PG-13. It can't be R. Oh, really? And if it's R, then maybe if it is something to do with bullying and it turns into violence and it turns, you know, it goes horribly, you know, it's got to go pretty horribly for bullying to turn into R-rated violence, but that's just one of the rating deals is, is uh, theme. Theme could be thematic elements, uh, thematic material, and then you have those different uh, degrees of a particular rating, which comes in the descriptor. 
Wait, wait. I, I have to clarify one thing about the thematic elements. So you said like something with thematic elements can't be an R. So, so, but there are R movies that have themes through it. So I'm, I guess I'm not sure again, like you're saying this has thematic elements. It sure. mu- so what I'm not, I'm, cur- I'm so confused. It, I'm sorry. If it takes it uh, to the R, to the R category, it's going to be something like, um, a strong discussion on abortion can be PG-13, but then if you're showing graphic images or you get too graphic with the description, mm-hmm. then it becomes R. So if it goes into R, it's going to be one of those other, actually four categories, and I'll throw another one at you. Smoking has never been R in a movie strictly for smoking. It's only been PG or PG-13, but if there is any smoking in a film, it has to be at least PG because smoking is now an element. So... Got it. So you're you're saying, look, nothing can be, uh, you know, made an R just because it has a certain kind of theme in it. That's not what you're going. That's correct. You're saying it it needs to also have these other elements to make it an R. I get what you're saying. Okay. And frankly, I'm all for the smoking one. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> as, as a parent. And and what's interesting about the smoking is that's the first uh, new element that's come up probably since the old Valenti days where. It was uh, the 19, uh, late 60s, I believe, when Valenti came on and actually established the ratings board the way it pretty much is today. Is It was pretty much those five categories, and then smoking has been the one that's most recent, and that's because there obviously was a backlash from the anti-tobacco lobby and signatures from parents and whatever it was. It created enough of a hubbub to... Uh, to get into that, uh, get into the elements category for a film. Well, you know, that's that's. I find that really positive because over the years, it's it's now the new normal not to have characters smoking, and I think it was a crutch. Every time I le- I read a script, and then you know somebody they let, you know they're against a brick wall, and they light up a cigarette, and it's supposed to show them how show everybody how cool they are, just on a, a gut level. I'm usually going, you know what, this is a cliche. What else can you do to show that they're cool or show that they're hip? Why are you doing that? Now I know, and it'll also get you a different kind of rating. You know, it'll, it'll get a little red flag. Absolutely. And uh, maybe there might be one exception to that. And I happen to not be a smoker, and I'm pretty heavy-duty anti-tobacco as well. Um, there are those fantastic uh, era films like, like a Marshall the Thurgood Marshall movie that came out last year. And it's just, that was the way it was in the, in the uh, 50s and 60s and 70s was there was a lot of smoking and that's pretty much, you know, historical smoking. Yes. And it's hard to talk about a, a, that period. It wouldn't be accurate if you showed no smoking at that time. Good point. Good point. I mean, Mad Men was very clear on like, that's what everybody did. And they also showed some of the consequences of that. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so uh, violence, sex, drug use, language, smoking, and theme. That's okay. my world, Pilar. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, you know, there's, uh, so, so let's, can we just take it a category at a time? Because I'm, I'm very curious about all these things. Absolutely. Um, so, so with violence, okay, so there's a lot of superhero movies now, right? And these superhero movies are getting more raw and, and, uh, and, and more realistic. And that's why we like them, frankly. That's why some of the quality is really, really good. So, and yet there's a comic book audience and you know there's a family audience. So how difficult does this make your job? Well, they want 
it's important for them to have that PG-13 rating because they want to reach the widest audience possible. And there's no question, at least this is, this is my opinion, but I think it's pretty common, uh, common opinion throughout the industry is uh, that there's more violence getting sucked into that PG-13 category than sexual content and everything else, in my opinion, combined. Yes. There's just a ton of violence. And every time they put something that's a little more violent in there, they're basically setting precedent for the category. So there's an awful lot of violence. And uh, you see the Bond movies and the uh, Mission Impossibles. And the only difference between them and a typical R-rated movie, the body count is certainly up there, even more so than a lot of R-rated movies is, they're very, very good at being able to show just enough to show the violence, but a lot of it is implied. In other words, they, 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 you know, Tom Cruise is shooting the place up and killing all the bad guys, but you're seeing him shoot and you're seeing the bad guy go back. You're not seeing like a blood impact. You're not seeing quite the brutality of the R's. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think, of course, this is, again, my opinion, but I still think that there's just too much violence in the category. Um, what would distinguish, let's, let's take a, a moment of violence, um, and what would distinguish PG-13, what would throw it into an R? Sure. I, myself, when I was waiting on the board, and even when I look at a film now and I advise filmmakers, there are two words that come to me that, that, that will push it into the R category, and it's probably blood and brutality. So you're going to see, you know, you might see a shooting and a small pool of blood near the victim. Uh, There's more blood in the R-rated movies. And then the brutality, if there's just something that you have like maybe a guttural feel that has just gone over the top. It's, it just could be, it could be the loud audio in the background. It could be the, the close up of the two individuals fighting. There's a lot of different areas. It's impossible to really give specific reasons why one would be 13 and one would be R. But I guess when you see thousands of films, you kind of say that one's 13 and that one's R. And maybe that's why filmmakers should call me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a cheap plug. I apologize. (laughs) Well, also, you know, um, sometimes I'll read scripts and somebody's gone into great lengths to describe graphic violence. And it's not that I'm offended, but I'll, I'll go, you know what? feels like you're babysitting me through this moment rather than if you cut away, I I would emotionally be more shocked because I'd be imagining what this Mm -hmm. must be like, you know? So sometimes when, when writers double down on sex or violence, they're actually, it's, it's less interesting. It's less creative and it, and it leaves less to the imagination. I think. I agree. And I think, uh, by speaking with other script writing professionals, you know, you and others, I, uh, what they'll say oftentimes is they're preaching less is more. Mm-hmm. And there's absolutely something to that. And even with the ratings, uh, less can be more. Uh, for an example, we talk about violence. In horror films, sometimes the less you see, but the, the more you think in your mind, the scarier the movie is. And when I've talked to, I've had half dozen projects on violence and specifically horror, and... I'll tell the filmmaker, I'll say the films that I watched at the MPAA, the scariest ones were often PG-13. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what was around the corner. You didn't get the blood and brutality, but you were on the edge of your seat and you're scared every minute of the movie. Mm-hmm. And you can make a movie like that and make it a PG-13 
you just can't have that blood and brutality and what goes along with it. Now, okay, uh, and again, just for people listening, this is not to say that sometimes graphic violence isn't absolutely necessary because it becomes what the story is about. Like, for example, I think it was a Goodfellas where it's like, I got an arm, I got a wing. What was, do you remember, do you remember <laughs> that? Was it Goodfellas? You know, they're chopping up a body and they're being really funny Goodfellas about it. Goodfellas and Casino. Right, 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 right. Maybe it was Casino. And then there was also, um, you know, uh, Tarantino movies where there's like, you know, a torture scene um, while the guy's dancing. There are certain movies that like, it's doubling down on it because it's trying to show you like the... I guess, I guess just the contradiction in these people's lives. They can be so lighthearted in one way and so graphic in the other. And it's part of the story. And that makes sense. And it's a hard R. You know, it's an R. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. And, you know, the, the one thing I'd like to say is, like, when, when, uh, when the Raiders are rating the movie, it's not like an R movie is a bad movie or worse than a PG-13 by no sense of the imagination. I was able to witness a handful of NC-17 films that were, you know, patently adult, but they were fantastic films, and I would recommend them to adults all day long. Of course, people that were uncomfortable with, you know, sexual content or what have you might not be for them, but there were some fantastic NC-17s. It's not, um, it's not belittling those films. It's just saying that it has a particular audience. So let's talk about sex, okay? Okay. All right. So, you know, I, I agree with you that, you know, the PG-13, like, they really push the envelope with, with violence. With sex, they seem to be uh, puritanical in, in some places. Like, it feels like, I don't know, uh, they're so scared of, <laughs> you know, so, so, but that could just be my opinion sometimes. Sure. Tell me, tell me what, what the nuances are between PG, PG-13, and R when it comes to, to sex. Sure. I think we, maybe we can separate uh, nudity. Okay. And talk about that first because there's nudity that's like National Geographic nudity where there are tribes, tribe women, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Africa and it's part of their daily life. That can be a PG. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing uh, gratuitous. There's nothing really sexual about it. That's just the daily life. Our nudity in the U.S. is a lot different, obviously, especially than like Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be very little uh, breast nudity uh, seen in PG-13. If it is, it might be a quick glance or someone running towards the beach, but it's certainly not going to be in a sexual context. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be when two people are engaging, right? that type of thing. Uh, with with uh, sexual content, absolutely, there's a lot less in that category than with violence. Uh, I think that's, and again, that was, you know, we discussed briefly before uh, the podcast about uh, this film is not yet rated with Kirby Dick. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that filmmakers say over and over again is, you know, I can cut up people and I can do all kinds of crazy things and somehow it ends up in PG-13. But if I show, you know, a beautiful woman that's topless, that's absolutely R. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's absolutely the truth. That's the way the rating system is right now. I don't agree with it. Um, I think that I don't see why non-sexual nudity um, shouldn't be in PG-13. Um, but everyone has their own opinion. And, you know, I come from, I come from Boston, just <laughs> like you, Pilar. Yeah. We have a different sensibility than people uh, all around the country. And uh, that's why they have, I think, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pop around to different areas and you, you play catch up or steer me back. <laughs> um, that's one of the reasons why I think the ratings board has people that are 
demographically different that are from different parts of the country, different genders, different, you know, beliefs. And uh, so, you know, my opinion is uh, this sexual content, uh, there probably can be more into 13 and there's too much violence. Well, you know, it, as a, as a, again, from the parents' point of view, um, I'm glad, you know, my, my kids don't go and see like a lot of topless women only because they do tend to be sort of over sexualized on screen. It isn't just an everyday thing. Um, I guess, I guess, um, alluding to, again, here we go with our thematic stuff, right? Um, it seems like, you know, if, if people are having a, a healthy sexual relationship, that sometimes isn't, I don't know. Like, does that will that change a PG thirteen rating? Uh, will that change it to an R if 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 it's being alluded to or you well, know? Yeah, it's interesting. We'll we'll step back to the violence. It, it does matter sometimes who the main characters are in the scene. So, in other words, with with violence, if you have some kind of horror violence, and the and the victims or the or the the ones that are having the horror bent upon them are children. That could be the major difference between the category of mm-hmm. 13 and R. Parents don't want to see their kids in jeopardy, so that makes a big difference. Same thing with smoking. Uh, you can have smoking in PG or PG-13. It's never been an R, but um, what happens is if you see children smoking, that's, that's pretty much an automatic PG-13. Parents don't want to see young kids on the screen smoking and then have, give their kids the idea that it might be cool. Mm-hmm. So... It does matter a lot of times who the characters are uh, with the uh, with regards to elements. With uh, with sexual content, like with the romantic comedy where there's a consenting couple and they're having a good time and they're silly and they're in the closet and you see like a like a shoulders and up view and you know they're in you know they're naked but you only see like the shoulders and up or the you know the knees mm-hmm. down and they imply that's got a better chance of getting into the 13 than you have, you know, uh, teenagers hooking up at mm-hmm. a party, that type of thing. So it does matter by character oftentimes with the ratings. You know, I remember watching um, uh, Titanic with my oldest and she was about 11 at the time. She was sick and we were looking for a movie to sort of take her mind off of it and we watched Titanic and I remember like there's one scene you know where the lead characters um finally get together and all you see is her hand on the window sort of moving down the window and so that you know that you know and so she looked at me you know wide-eyed because we I didn't usually show her stuff like that and I went that is because they're both over 18 and they love each other very much. <laughs> and that became like the mantra for like all through her, through their teenage years. I'd be like, that is because they're over 18 and they love each other very much. So like, I, I, I totally get it. I, you you're, know. you're one of those wonderful parents, Pilar. My hat's <laughs> off to you. I was sure you were going to go with the, uh, with the painting where uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was painting Kate That's Winslet, right, right. There was some brief nudity. I'll tell you, I know because it's a public record, but... There was an outcry from parents that that should, you know, that the brief nudity shouldn't have, uh, you know, been in that category. And yet that was art. It's art. You know, that that like, yeah, it never really even registered for me watching that because it, it was so clearly a I am painting 
a painting of you. That's right. Uh, so yes. maybe if you can get 5,000 of your students to all sign a petition and let them know that art should, you know, uh, Artistic expression should be more allowed in PG-13, then maybe you can get the ball rolling. I will. I'll work on that. Fantastic. I have a couple of other things I want 5,000 people <laughs> on a petition for, but it'll go on my list. Wonderful. <laughs> now, what about, what about language? Because I always thought it was if there is an F-bomb, it's an R, but it is not, right? No, and uh, surprisingly, and it's one of the reasons why I try to get to the script writers at, at the earliest stage and, of course, eventually producers is... Um, it's very avoidable if you're a script writer and you're actually commissioned. It doesn't happen very if you're commissioned to write a PG-13 script. Uh, and maybe you're not, and it gets cleaned up after the fact, after your draft. But basically, any F-bomb, one F-bomb can be used in a film. It normally can't be used in a sexual context. So it can't be MF. Or, mm-hmm. But there's been an exception there. The Kevin Costner film, the football film, I think it was called draft day. I could be wrong, but there was an MF there. It may have been one on appeal, mm-hmm. but typically you can use one F-bomb and oftentimes two, depending on the context in the film. There's all kinds of other interesting ways you can fill up your film with, you know, with goodies like F-bombs and other things, but those are some trade secrets and I want to keep my job as a consultant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, how... Uh, why does, well, uh, uh, things have changed, right? So we've, we've, we've brought in cigarettes and things like that. Um, do you see anything ahead? Like, I, I'll, I'll be right out, out with it. Sure. I'm wondering about guns. Do you think that guns might start becoming, like cigarettes, something that is specifically isolated for ratings? Right now, it's under the obviously under the violence umbrella, but I know that when these horrible serial killings happen, I think that the ratings board takes notice of it more than they used to. Now, these these horrible serial killings, how long have they been going on? How, when did was remember when Sandy Hook was? That was oh, the first big one. Yeah, so you're not talking about serial killings; you're talking about like Sh- mass killings. Mass yeah. killings, and mm-hmm. anything to do with you know automatic weapons that can do destruction sure, in a half sure. a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been going on a number of years now. And I yeah. think I think that the ratings board has been much more sympathetic and sensitive to gunplay in schools. Um, absolutely, I think that that that's made a difference. I can't say because of a non-disclosure. I can't say what actually was happening in the ratings room when I was there. But yeah, when there's a cultural event like these horrible tragedies, it certainly is going to make uh, the ratings board more sensitive to these kind of issues. Now, whether they would veer off and give guns its own separate element, I think it's still going to be classified under under violence, but but it's going to be paid more attention. Yeah, it's, you know, when it comes to ratings, you know, it, it's hard because I think some people think censorship. But on, on the other hand, again, if, if guns became its own rating, as somebody who looks at scripts, it wouldn't be the lazy go-to of that person gets out a gun. You know, sometimes you thwart a bad guy, you can use what's around you. You can be creative. You know, if I, if I wish there was a contest out there for like a no gun contest, like give me a hard thriller crime drama and you're not allowed to use a gun. I'd love to see what that movie would look like. You know, it's, it's funny, Pilar. 
I couldn't agree with you more. As a moviegoer and a movie lover, I couldn't agree more that that I think writing and filmmaking could be more creative and less with the easy draw. And other, you know, uh, other really respected screenwriters, you know, in addition to you, have said the same exact thing to their uh, their students and their their uh, colleagues. There's there's definitely an easier there's an easy out and if you don't take it and you be more creative and don't go for the easy, gratuitous, eye candy kind of stuff, I think it does really work well for filmmakers if they can do it that way. Um, so, so TV doesn't have any – does TV have a rating system or does it depend on, on the platform? TV has their own self-monitoring system. So they have guidelines set up so you're not going to see an F-bomb on ABC, CBS, NBC <laughs> – but they have, it's a different rating. I believe they've got TV 14 and Mature and these other ones. But it doesn't have uh, this one governing body like the MPAA. They self-govern. And then I don't know what happens if people don't agree with it. I assume they have parent outlash and uh, and then they complain to the studios or the Federal Trade Commission or whatever it is. And they make changes that way. So um, I am curious about, you, you mentioned the financial ramifications of uh, between a PG-13 and an R. So PG-13 makes the most money generally? Uh, well, you know, a really good site that I send filmmakers to is uh, Mojo Box Office. Okay. Because they break it down, and they also break it down through the MPAA. So you can look back. I look back usually before I go to a film festival and I speak to filmmakers I'll look back a dozen years and I'll look at all the trends. I'll actually, you know, that's one of the services I provide to filmmakers is I give them an idea on the difference between categories. G, PG, and PG-13, they all, they all do very well when they go out theatrically compared to R. I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that there aren't great R movies, but I think the, the really the two big genres in R that seem to do well are the crude comedies and the horror movies. And you just sometimes you just because of the content, there's no way those are going to be 13. But historically, I've seen R um, be out box office about three and a half to four dollars to one. So for um, it's quite a difference. I mean, it could be a 10 million dollar R rated movie, and it could be a 30 million dollar uh, PG 13. Uh, that's why the ratings are important to that small uh, target audience of theatrical filmmakers. I wonder if, you know, there's a trend right now that everybody wants to see happy stuff on TV again. Um, you know, these things, you know, sometimes reflect the political environment or whatever. So we're seeing a lot of, you know, reboots of old sitcoms, things that make us all happy. I'm wondering if you're going to see more G and PG kind of movies along those lines, like where everybody wanted to go sort of harder before they might be going softer. Absolutely. I see, I mean, I see an absolute need for G and PG product. And it seems like they, if you look at the box office of that, uh, of those categories over the years, it looks like they're both doing well. There's a little problem with PG for some filmmakers because teenagers don't want to go to a film that they think is, let's say, less mature. Yeah. So they automatically assume it could be a fantastic movie. I've Some of the best movies I've seen when I was on the ratings board with PG, but it's got that connotation that could lose its teenage audience. So sometimes you have perception. 
Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Wow, so it's the, it's the audience themselves that's, that's dictating this. Absolutely. This has been so enlightening, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's, you know, I have to admit, I think I, I might, may have been one of those people that thought, like, the, the ratings people were the bad guys, you know, but talking to you who's, like, so thoughtful about it and also realizing, like, the creative side of this, you know, how it sometimes, you know, can really cause us to be more creative when we can't go on easy easy oh. things um thank you you've it's been very very helpful where would people go to to find out more about your services what's what's your website oh thanks pilar and i've enjoyed speaking with you it's uh b freeman mrc like movie ratings consultant.com and uh and my email is barry at b freeman mrc.com and do you do you tweet or any th- those kind of things? You know, I'm a LinkedIn guy. I ah. haven't caught up to the the tweets and the Instagrams. I'm going to get into that this year. I promised. It's a different generation that has to send me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just uh, you know, just just you know, watch watch your content. Okay, be be very careful about. I'm, you know. No, you know what? My first hundred tweets, no f bombs. That's you right, know, exactly. Instructed by Pilar. That's Alessandro. right. That's right. Got to walk your walk. Pilar, thanks very much. I enjoyed it, and you know, I really enjoy the idea that scriptwriters would know anything about ratings. is exciting to me because kind of the way I look at it is, you have, I believe, you have aspiring uh, writers. In I have your a class. lot of aspiring writers who who take the class and, and listen to the show. Yeah. And when when they ask me, well, what do you learn? What what have you learned in business the last three or four years? One thing I've learned is. If these writers can have more knowledge than the other writers, you have no idea. If they learn something about the ratings that can help them in the future, you have no idea when they can use it or when they have a tidbit that can be helpful in a job interview or what have you. I mean, knowledge is power. And uh, the people that pay attention to, like, you know, when I speak at a film festival or, or uh, you know, a, an aspiring film student, I'll hear from them six months or a year later and they say, yeah, I actually was able to sound really smart. On a, you know, on location at a film shoot, and uh, and to me that's a thrill. Excellent, excellent. You're you're absolutely right. Knowledge is power. So you know you, and then you can make your choices. Nobody's saying you have to make certain choices. You know, it's it's hearing all this information. What kind of movie do you want to write? And you can do so in a knowledgeable way. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Pilar. Thanks for having me. I want to remind everybody to go to onthepage.tv where you can find out about classes and uh, recorded classes and where I'll be. I'll be on the East Coast and all kinds of stuff. So do check that out. Also, if you're interested in a visit to Los Angeles, I am teaching a two-day rewrite class. This is November 10th and 11th, and it is all day, both days, and it will teach you some advanced writing techniques. So wherever you are in the process, even if you're not in your rewrite and you just want uh, to really dig into writing, do take the class. I would love to see you there. Thanks again to Barry Freeman. Thanks to all of you for listening, and have a good writing week. Oh, 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 oh,